0: When it comes to wastewater management, utility managers are discovering that deploying a data-driven approach to their operations is helping them to realize cost and resource efficiencies and to avoid emerging problems like never before. This keeps things flowing, which is music to the ears of customers, plant operators, and people concerned about offsetting potentially damaging environmental incidents. Hello, I'm your host, Paul Teese. And on this episode of If Win, I discuss the concept of data-enabled utilities with Simon Gaskell, Jacob's Senior Associate Director, and Samantha Sloan, Network Business Manager of United Utilities. They shared their insights on how digital wastewater systems perform in comparison to analog systems, as well as some of the more common challenges of implementing a digital program to an existing wastewater system and more. Simon and Sam, thank you both so much for joining me today. We're going to talk about digital-enabled power utilities and water utilities and you know how uh, the utility landscape is tapping into emerging technologies to really advance its efficiencies and performance. And so I'm grateful to both of you for joining me today to share your expertise. Simon, the, to kind of start us off, let me ask you, can you compare and contrast for us how digital wastewater systems perform versus analog systems? You know, what makes a digital approach truly better and not just, well, it's digital and everybody kind of assumes, oh,
1: that's better, but what really what really goes into making it a better a
0: better system?
1: Thanks, Paul. Um, yeah, I'd we'll probably start by, first of all, just framing sort of wastewater uh, systems and then that sort of analog or conventional system viewpoint first. So I think it's really important to ensure that we think about wastewater systems or networks, not not in isolation, but being part of a wider, not just being just the sewer pipes under our our feet or under the road, but um, uh, all of the, um, what sort of wider network interaction as well. So within Jacobs, we refer to Jacobs One Water or sort of One Water Landscape, which is the kind of complex sort of integrated picture of the cyclical interactions between water sources and water users. And that that includes wastewater and how it's managed. So things to consider, you know, all, the, all those inputs, be those you know those customers, people are using, discharging discharging water into the the network, uh, as well as your rain and storm water that's coming into the system. But also, you know, users are consuming clean water, and um, that's a separate network which is, which is being managed. And then the wastewater network is feeding into treatment or processes, uh, which is another set of assets that operational organisations are. Are, are managing. So I think, in short, I think the, the although the the kind of a length of sewer is a relatively simple kind of physical asset. When you put it in the context of all the other multiple factors at play, then the picture becomes much more complex. And with that complexity comes, you know, challenges and opportunities. And when we think about, um, or in my mind anyway, you know, analog or or conventional systems, I'm thinking, you know, a bit of a spectrum depending on depending on the operators or the geographies we're we're looking at. But um. It can be from one end where there's, you know, there's literally no technological systems in place where it's, you know, relying on human observation and control to manage the wastewater system through to kind of another end of where you're seeing, you know, hardwired, you know, data logging units, telemetry systems, which are communicating this data to a central point uh, where it can be visualized and inform subsequent control activity, um, you know, generation of alarms when conditions are passing certain thresholds. But you know, particularly, we're kind of using you know dial-up technology. Where users are making requests to see the data, um, we've got relatively low sampling frequencies. And although this sort of complexity will vary in a, in a system, the, I think the key takeaway really is: it's sort of uh, users are sort of accessing stuff in a they're not really getting a single real-time picture of the network in this sort of conventional or analog sort of approach. Control activity is typically manual, uh, mm-hmm. and that awareness of issues happening is kind of after the fact, typically speaking. So the management of conventional systems can also be quite siloed. We've got different, you know, be it catch-up management or clean water or wastewater mm-hmm. um, and other water course management systems. They're generally all on separate systems, but there's no real integration between them. And um, so this transfer from data is pretty limited. And even though they actually could be very similar in terms of their methodologies. So if um, we're thinking now comparison or, or contracts to a a digital system, mm-hmm. uh, kind of title it. I kind of widen that spectrum further now in terms of technology to start to be using uh, more prolific use of wireless communications, IoT devices, mm-hmm. you know, edge control capability, um, and also sort of a larger, um, less dependence on sort of mains power for all this this technology. You know, more, more battery powered devices that we can achieve. You know, greater saturation in the in the network so we're in, in, in generally more you know challenging locations you know a sewer is quite a sort of a harsh environment mm-hmm. and, 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 and and interacts with a sort of a quite complex um, other environments around it so we can generally within a digital domain we're seeing it easier to you know communicate and store and share data through cloud-based data storage architecture and allows us to really have you know improvements in how we can share data within across systems within, within an organization but with across kind of departments if you like but also with other organizations outside that uh, sort of management organization to the wider industry or other interested parties which is really important i think for in the context of innovation and harnessing you know wider collaboration with the likes of supply chains and other organizations Hmm. and the other thing to be to consider is you know the increased use of data science um techniques including machine learning this you know able to provide a more timely generation of dynamic models which um we can factor a range of data inputs which allows us to really understand what's normal behavior and when we when are we moving outside that normal behavior
0: Uh, let's unpack that a little bit you know because you know can you talk to us a little bit about you know how smart sensors and predictive analytics machine learning that sort of thing can aid wastewater networks you know in preventing flooding for instance or blockages and pollution events
1: yeah sure so um I think with a so I think we just start with a thinking or start point of a having the appropriate sensors or the or the right blend of sensors that really need to be positioned within the sort of relevant locations in the network where we can build a a sufficiently uh, sort of a granular picture of how the system is operating at any one time and and then feed those sort of uh that data back into uh, kind of analytics engines to to learn that behavior and that those analytics can you know can inform logic which can, as I said, that detects in the performance of the, the sewer network uh, when it's uh, moving outside what we'd accept sort of acceptable to you know, the relationship between one node point in the, the sewer network to another. Uh, we understand how it's being designed and, and the relationship with the likes of water courses and, and sort of uh, river systems. We can really understand uh, under what conditions we could um, expect sort of a pollution events to occur. I think what's what's neat is you don't necessarily need to sort of sensors an absolutely every single location. So you don't need the whole thing monitored to be able to be to be effective. I mean to do that, uh, especially in the UK, would be really cost prohibitive. So the fact we can sort of infer uh infer this sort of impact against using GIS data and wastewater models combined with all this, this data together really helps us sort of have the potential to, to detect these problems proactively. So in tools such as um Jacob's AquaDNA platform, we can boil down a lot of this this data which can be quite overwhelming for for individuals or operators, we can give a simplified situation awareness picture and we can blend it with analytics and that sort of business logic rules that the business sort of can set. Then we can give teams a prioritized sort of recommendation of where they could be intervening in the network to prevent a blockage uh, when we're seeing sort of, you know, behavior in a a sewer going above the level expected when when nothing's changed, it's not raining, why is it going up? There's a potential blockage we could could go in and um, intervene ahead of time and, and avoid... Uh, that block is potentially causing a pollution, you know, into um, into a, a water course. In, in that example. Okay,
0: great. And then Sam, you know, so let's talk a little bit about how you, uh, you know, would weave in a data-driven approach to an existing wastewater system. So, you know, tell us what are some of the common challenges for implementing a data-driven approach uh and how are those challenges overcome you know when you have a an existing wastewater system that you're trying to apply that to
2: yeah certainly so i'd say the one challenge would be the adoption of technology, and I think uh, uh, something that we fall over, hardly fall over one too many times, is is certainly going after the technology first and thinking about the people and the organisational model second. Um. So one thing that I would say is is really um is to to flip that on its head. So for me, it boils down to to two real things. First one is the actual operating model that you have in place. It's, you know, we're we're not set up and certainly in the water industry, a lot of our operating models are not centred around data driven, technology driven approaches to managing these assets. We're very much driven around delivering a service to customers and reacting to issues as they arise. So the first mm-hmm. thing that I would say really in terms of dealing with that as a challenge is set up your operating model first, show how you organise yourself first create the roles, create the ownership, the accountability of performance, and ultimately the end users of that solution first. And by doing that, what you do is you create those kind of the, the need essentially for the solution. So if I give an example. Having teams uh, set up processes as Simon discussed there a bit about kind of uh, flooding and pollution, looking at things manually, it takes a lot of time, but if you do that, you create a need for then a digital solution to come along and make that quicker, make it more effective, and therefore there's a want there within the teams to to utilize it. so I'd say my first kind of my first big recommendation would be create your organizational model first that makes it digitally ready to adopt the solution. The second thing I would say then is, and something that people kind of forget too often is have the people that are going to be using that solution at the end actually be the ones that help drive it from the start. So one thing we we done within United Utilities was really looked at starting off the team's using the solution before it was necessarily ready to be used. So we had our teams in the drive and seat whilst we were still in the deployment phase of the project. So utilizing the technology whilst we were still developing the technology, having them involved in development of the processes of where we place the sensors, where we capture the data, even down to how we want that solution to, I guess, look and feel on a very kind of aesthetics point of view. Because ultimately doing it in that way, it means... Once you get to the actual transition or implementation into the the organization well the people that are going to be kind of the, the the important users they've already had a chance to influence it they've already had a chance to help shape it so there's no surprises there's no fear there's no shock they already know what it is and they already know how it's going to help them deliver deliver in their roles so certainly I'd say that's the biggest challenge is that that adoption and the two things I would say is really think about setting the operating model up first and having your people help drive the solution through like the project fees,
0: Oh, that's that's wonderful, and uh, I could see that the temptation to uh, be enamored of the shiny new toy, so to speak, could get the better of business managers. You know, who aren't necessarily, or may not necessarily have thought about the process implications, and you know, the staffing to that, and just making sure that there's that adoption mindset.
1: May I just add just onto that a little bit, just in terms of those challenges as well, in terms of for the business and adopting those digital systems uh, you know we've got a higher degree of complexity in that overall the sort of the value chain and, and all the, the points included in it are, um, are a bit more, uh, more challenging to manage. There's increasing choice in technology as well in the, in the market and you can end up having a, a blend a mosaic of mosaic of different components of a, a solution. So there's a, there is a sort of a, a risk of sort of users having to grapple with lots of different interfaces, technology and, and other pieces. And, and Wherever possible, you can make that. The simpler you can make that, the simpler you can make that journey for for mm-hmm. individuals in the business to engage with all that. The the more the better. So that's sort of the. Mm-hmm. So I find just something to really bear in mind when when bringing that change. Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, Sam, can you tell us a little bit about some of the benefits that a data driven approach can bring to wastewater management? You know, are we talking about cost savings, improved performance? advanced notice of impending equipment failures, you know, what what can you tell us?
2: Yeah, and um, I'd say, well, all all of all of the above really, mm-hmm. um, I can't I can't speak any more kind of favorably about adopting a, a data driven or a technology driven approach. But if I kind of bring it back to kind of my experiences within within you know, utilities and with the within the water industry here in the UK, we mm-hmm. I guess we kicked off the project or launched our our operating model with the solution around 18 months ago. And like I said, still we're still in project phase, wrapping up in about a month's time. And in those 18 months, we've already delivered kind of significant benefit in, I guess, all of those categories that you listed there, really. But the one that I would call out, which is was the real driving force for us behind actually taking on this approach, was delivering a better service for our customers So ultimately, we're responsible for serving over 7 million customers when it comes to kind of wastewater wastewater collection and management. And a real driver for us was how do we stop the requirement for our customers having to call us to tell us what's gone wrong? Because obviously at that point, it's too late, isn't it? They've already yeah. had that negative impact. They've already suffered the consequences. They're already going to have to deal with the cleanup. And, and you know, we've had that reputational impact, the financial impact, the, the kind of regulatory impact. So ultimately it all comes down to the customer experience for us and how do we change that um, the, that incident from being a reactive one to being a proactive one. So that's the key thing for us. And actually in the 18 months or sorry, the 12 months after we kind of put the operating model in place, we Mm -hmm. see the 10% reduction in customer-driven jobs from our from our the population that we serve, so that's over three thousand jobs, and um, that were prevented from us having this this um, technology approach in place. And like I said, we're still in that project phase, and we've still still to complete. But we've made a significant dent in the the requirement for our customers to call us and tell us that you know they've, they've had that that unwanted incident at their property, or they've witnessed a pollution deal water course in a near nearby environment and for me so firstly customer experience that that is what we're driving for we don't want our customers to have that need to contact us reactively but mm-hmm. that of course has an indirect benefit financially um and that could be through our improved regulatory performance so if we pick up those things proactively we you know we don't suffer the consequences from a regulatory performance point of view but also there's the element of well you know, getting out there proactively, it means we can resolve things quicker, there's less cleanup, there's less time on site, which means increased productivity. So all of the, these things in the round really wrap up to, I guess, better financial performance, better customer performance, um, and also kind of better engagement from our teams, because it's a much a, a much more improved environment to operate in if we're actually clearing things proactively rather than reactively. So that's a, the kind of what, what I would say really is, our, is what we've witnessed, Really strongly since we started this. Another element I would say is from a less from a customer angle and more from a, I guess, a powered assets or how we would refer to them our mechanical and electrical assets across the the drainage areas that we've managed. And we've Mm -hmm. seen through the adoption of the sensors on sites and the use of the data and the, the trending capabilities that we've got that we've actually been able to reduce the number of reactive driven jobs, so on the back of alarms, and further work being raised by around 25% across the sites that we've actually implemented this approach. So again, another really significant percentage reduction um, when we look at having a data-driven approach in comparison with a a more traditional approach that that we've seen before. Um, And ultimately, again, that comes down to, well, less power usage, less reactive failures, which means more um, asset outage, less call-outs out of hours, which again is a, a real kind of negative from a, our, our team morale and engagement perspective, and also customer engagement as well, because nobody wants somebody re- turning up on the street outside at 2am in the morning when you're trying to get some sleep. So ultimately, across our asset base and across the customers that we serve, we've seen real, real impact on both the customer-driven jobs and then those reactive failures from, from from
1: the assets that, that deliver the service. Mm. Okay. Sam, can I just, what I really like is that one the related benefits to, to the teams more is um, when you've got more of a predict- predictable plan work, the, without that sort of pressure to try and resolve things uh, in a reactive way, you're working in a much more measured, calm approach and you know, it could be in daylight hours and ultimately the impact on just having a, that, that safer working environment as a result.
2: Yeah, definitely, Simon. And, and certainly, you know, being able to go out there proactively, take your time, carry out thorough investigations rather than reacting to an issue that's arising, trying to kind of mitigate it. What we're seeing is being able to spend more time on site, do proper root cause analysis on site. And whether that's kind of CCTV camera footage, upstream, downstream, really understanding the asset condition Rather than it being focused on resolving that customer-driven issue and making sure the customer service is there, we're really being able to focus more on the assets and take our time and understanding that root cause, which will only help improve improve performance in the future and help us plan better and more effectively in the future as well. So I'd, I'd certainly say that kind of a more calmer environment is, is yeah, you're, you're spot on with that because it really allows us to, to take our time and in, in understanding what these issues are that we're resolving.
0: Mm. Okay. And then, Simon, can you, uh, can you tell us how can improved wastewater network performance contribute to a positive environmental impact? I mean, I know we talked about trying to prevent pollution events, but can you expand on that a little bit? You know, how does uh, this uh, digital approach contribute to you know, more of a, a positive effort for the environment?
1: Yeah, sure. it's a great question, Paul, and I suppose really relevant um, just in the increasing expectations placed on you know, responsible network management organizations to have a that net positive impact on the environment and it's it's becoming a real focus in the UK especially currently. Um, mm-hmm. I'll pick out a couple of opportunities. I mean first is kind of what we talked about already about if we have a maximizing the potential of the network and more resilience in it, but um uh, allowing it to to you know reach its full potential of of holding as much volume of wastewater as it as it as it's designed to, particularly where we've got combined sewer uh, flows, which you we know, have got sort of uh, sort of uh, wastewater from customers and and rainwater together, we're really sort of uh, have the opportunity to reduce the risk around pollution. If we have a network which has you know, fewer obstructions, we've got more effective flow. Then um, that risk of spilling is being reduced. I think um, the fact that we've got a greater degree of of observation in real time. Monitoring means um, that, you know, there are instances where there's unavoidable spill events, but if, if in fact if we know exactly what's happening at a certain point where the ability for you know, those organizations to respond uh, in a far more timely way and, and mitigate uh, the impact to the environment is, is, is much more readily available rather than just relying on the sort of uh, human observations after the fact. I think another key opportunity is really uh, and leveraging that sort of one water mindset is, uh, or maybe in, in United Utilities' term as a, a systems thinking mindset is, you know, achieve a higher performance. Uh, we can control the operation of the wastewater network more effectively because, we're, because we know exactly what's going on. We can improve efficiencies downstream into the treatment processes as well. So if we've got more predictable flows of water, wastewater into those treatments, uh, we've got the opportunity to have greater efficiencies in how they actually operate. Sam was touching there, so it's, you know, you're almost like the running cost of all the the powered assets in, in the network. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these can be pretty. These processes are fairly high consumers of of energy and therefore carbon, as well as you know, chemicals and others. And we can really sort of uh, an opportunity to drive efficiencies in, in the consumption there, and therefore uh, overall trying to uh, reduce the impact uh, on the environment as a result in terms of what we consume.
0: Mm, okay, Sam, let me come back to you and kind of we touched on this just a little bit. You know, we talked about starting first with the process and with the people and then folding in the technology. But, you know, what do you say to someone in wastewater management who says, I'm, I'm not a data scientist or I don't have time to keep up with the latest advances in cutting edge computer technology or something to that effect? You know, how do you put their minds at ease about deploying this kind of technology into their systems?
2: They are common concerns or feelings really aren't they and you know you, you can feel that way embarking on any change and um, so mm-hmm. i don't think people that come off that with those kind of queries or concerns are are alone and um, what i would say is you know definitely to focus on the why why do you need to take on this change you know what is that your burning platform um because ultimately if as a business, you're deciding to take this sort of transformation on. You need mm-hmm. to understand the why and ultimately doing that helps you then really focus on the prioritization of efforts within within your own day to day, within your teams and and kind of various stakeholders across the business because bringing it back to the why and for us like I said it was it was the customer so it might feel like you know we don't I don't have enough time to focus on cutting edge technology or you know I'm not a data scientist but but why are we doing it we're doing it because we need a step change in the service we provide to our customers and what what other way can you do that so really for me it's always bringing it back to the why what is your burden platform for change because ultimately for me that puts everything into perspective And and I guess the the kind of the last bit there around watch your, I'm not a data scientist. I I don't know anything about that. Well, it doesn't take a team of 100 data scientists to implement a, a digital transformation. It takes data scientists, but it also takes engineers, it takes operators, it takes people managers, It you know, it, it really takes a a big collaboration across different skill sets to be able to, to deliver a transformation within a, a wastewater management system within any organization, really. So I would never kind of say, oh, you, you need to have a certain skill set to be able to contribute. Definitely not. I think Going back to what I said at the start, if you've got that platform for change and you know what you need to do, then mm. that should make everything else clear and, and really fall back into perspective.
0: Hmm. And then, Simon, let me ask you uh, my last question for today. You know, what's next on the horizon? You know, for a data-driven approach to wastewater management. You know, where do you see developments and emerging technology taking us next?
1: Yeah, thanks, Paul. I think one word would be optimization the um the costs associated with um you know optimizing what you already have in, in terms of uh, of of infrastructure working for you they they're, they're dwarfed when those, compared to those we have to you know invest in building new infrastructure to to deliver the same level of capacity, so uh, more capability in the network. So really making the most uh, of what you would have is really core, cool, I think, to how water or wastewater network operators will be tackling their challenges facing today and, and indeed the, the forecast challenges they, they know they're going to have in the future. I think we'll see more widespread utilization of automated control technologies on the network, which will you know be able to maximize your know, storage of wastewater and, and in this sort of scenario network without putting customers or environment at risk. There's always a bit of risk when you've sort of got that sort of a control being done by a system rather by by human intervention. I think uh, anything where we've got repeatable or routine activity or maintenance in the asset base, I think there's opportunities to optimize that further with a data-driven approach. So more condition-based maintenance um, on those assets but really informed by a measured health and state of it rather than just by sort of just routine activity prioritize where you're investing uh, and, and balancing that, that cost financially as well as the expected performance improvements you're going to have as well as you know what's the environmental or social value impact that's going to be when we when we when we undertake this activity so I really think that's um next on the horizon is really where we're we're optimizing uh kind of uh what we've already got and leveraging the full potential of of, of the infrastructure assets that these these organizations have hmm.
0: Well, Simon and Sam, I want to thank you both so much for uh, talking with us today about a data-enabled approach to utility and wastewater management. And uh, thank you so much for your time and insights. Thanks both. Thanks for having us.
2: Brilliant. Thanks for having us.